0: I'm Susan Branscum, and this is Leading She. Greetings, Leading She listeners. This is Susan Branscum, creator and host of Leading She, the podcast. Welcome to the second special edition of Leading She. I began the podcast almost three years ago, and since then, I have hosted 45 wonderful women leaders. We have had nearly 15,000 downloads of the podcast so far, and it's growing. I decided to air a couple of special editions addressing recurring themes along with the clips from various podcasts addressing these themes. These are the diamonds. These are the reader's digest, the shortcuts to some of the very best parts of these podcasts. These are the nuggets of wisdom from these accomplished women leaders. There are more podcasts to come, so stay tuned. Follow us on Leading She on all social media formats, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Watch for a special in-person event in October in Cincinnati in which we will host a great panel of women providing more of their insights and wisdom. A special thank you to my Cincinnati-based recording studio and the wonderful people here at Gwen Sound. Also, a big thank you to my marketing team at Tessie Ward Marketing. If you or your group is interested, I am doing speaking engagements to groups about the podcast, identifying talking about all the things I've learned in the podcast along with my own experience. I have had great feedback when I do these. I also facilitate panels at events. Check out the area called Speaking on my website, LeadingShe.com. If you might be interested in sponsoring LeadingShe, you will get your money's worth. We promote our sponsors in our email list of 3,000, on a recorded ad on the podcast, and placing the ad in all our social media. Write to me at LeadingShe at gmail.com. Now to get started with a special edition. The three topics we are going to address are, one, networking, then self-care and balance, and finally, taking risks and risking making career changes. The format will include clips from previously aired guest podcasts in which I address these topics based upon my guests' experiences. Before the clip, I will introduce the person and her title and the Leading She episode number, then air the clip. Enjoy this special edition of Leading She. The first topic in this special edition is networking, cultivating relationships. These women have varied ideas of networking and how it's worked for them in their careers. The term networking is pretty broad. What does it really mean? During my career, I have always been a big networker. I get to know people and then have them get to know me. Not only clients, people with which I do business, but the people I call advocates or ambassadors. People I may not do business with directly, but ones who know me. Perhaps I've become friends with them, and they can refer business to me. In the old days, I had a big Rolodex. For those younger folks listening, Google that. What's a Rolodex? I collected business cards, and I had stacks of them. Then I got my first Palm Pilot. You may want to Google that, too. All of my contacts began to be stored electronically. Today, I have over 9,000 contacts in my phone. These include people I've known for many years. I collect them. I have all the information I need. Often, I have cell phones and emails. My goal when I first began in commercial mortgage banking was to become known and getting to know people as I built my business. This was a big part of my business, and I wanted to get to the point in my industry that people could say, you know Susan, right? Yes, I know Susan. Not even use my last name. It took years but I got there. I wanted there to be a buzz about me. I wanted to be known in my industry locally in commercial real estate with commercial real estate people and nationally with lenders. I can say as I approach the end of my career, I've accomplished both. To generate business though, we have to be in touch with the clients, the potential decision makers, the influencers. Attending an industry event and hoping someone refers business to you is not a great business strategy as you build your business. But You can increase the number of people you know and who know you, and that's a good thing. Early in my career, I helped establish the CREW chapter in Cincinnati, Commercial Real Estate Women. I was on the board and served as president of NAOP, National Association of Industrial and Office Parks. I've served on several nonprofit boards, which is always a great way to get to know people and become known. Listen in as we hear from the leading she guests about networking. First, we have Hope Felton Miller, Managing Partner of Felton Buford Partners, in Episode 5.
1: One of the things I would like to talk about, though, is, is and to differentiate from mentors, you know, there's a lot of discussion about mentors. Everybody knows you need mentors, goes without saying. Go get mentors. Cultivate them. Right. Um, but you also need advocates, and you need to mm-hmm. recognize the difference and make sure that you are cultivating advocates who may or may not be mentors. An ad, in my mind, when I say an advocate, you will need people who are willing to spend their political capital in the company on your behalf. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the ones that will stand up and speak for you maybe when you're not there. They are the ones who, you know, we talked earlier about uh, it's very hard for you to say, oh, well, I had that idea two weeks ago and nobody paid any attention. That's where you need the advocate to say, wait a minute. You know, Hope said Hope that said two said weeks that ago. Yeah, um, you can't really say it <laughs> gracefully, but they can. And it can be a man or a woman. It Can be a know, man as, or a woman, an and it and it may well be a mentor. Not all mentors are advocates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, cult being very aware of cultivating both mentors and advocates is advice that I would give to any any young person, but particularly mm-hmm. a young woman uh, in their earlier days of their career, mm-hmm. because it's just so important in navigating these corporate waters. Right. And it, it can be an
0: advocate within the company, or we have what we call ambassadors in our business where they mm-hmm. refer business to us. They're, right. they're really like people that you know are on your team yeah, and that are supportive of you. And you can right. tell when people are supportive of Absolutely. you and
1: when they're not, right? Yeah. They're the ones who will give you a positive quote to put on your website. They yes. will refer you to new business, um, boy, do you need those people. You can't have, uh, I don't think you can have a career within the corporate environment or as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. without those people. Right. Had you gotten any advice about relationship building and how important that is? Yes, I did. And, you know, again, I can tell you how I heard it at the time and I will Mm -hmm. tell you how I think about it now. Um, Early on in my career, one of my mentors who was, who was one of the senior women at my company. Now, senior, I mean, the most senior women were maybe two levels up from me, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like she was way, way up, but she was ahead of me, so she knew more than I did. Um, She recommended that I spend about 50% of my time on work and about 50% of my time cultivating relationships. Mm. And at the time, I thought, well, yes, yes. Okay, I get it. You should cultivate some relationships, you know, the mentors and the advocates and all that. Right. But I thought 50-50, that is ridiculous. That is a gross exaggeration. You know, I have a lot of work to do. I am scrambling to get this work done. I can't do 50% of my time, you know, going to lunch or uh, doing favors or joining clubs or playing golf. I, you know, I can't do it. Now that I look back on it, I say, no, 50 50 is probably about right. Mm-hmm. And men do it, don't yeah. you think? A lot of men do that. Oh, they, absolutely. a lot of relationship
0: building that, that I've goes seen on it and, so
1: many times. Yeah. So many times. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think this is true for business, but it's also true for other kinds of organizations. You know, mm-hmm. like we've done board work together yes. in the nonprofit mm-hmm. sector, almost any organization. At the end of the day, I think they run more on relationships than mm-hmm. almost anything and sometimes it's a matter of who you know but more importantly who knows you and who trusts you mm-hmm. can really make the difference between a great career and an okay career right definitely so Good so advice. yeah that's uh you know that's just so important
0: next we will hear from nicole loftus founder and ceo of SkinX. episode 41 I love uh, this approach and, the, and what you're talking about, and that is women are often told uh, to network. Uh, women mm-hmm. are told that. Uh, we don't often tell men, just network, just network, as much as we tell women. And you don't believe really in networking. Not do? at all. Do you talk about that?
2: Well, just like I didn't have time to read my you know, contract for my venture capitalists, I don't think you should have time to go hang out three, four times a week or once a you know, who has, if you have time to go hang out at some event and listen to a panel discussion and then try to network with 300 people in a room or however many it is and put your name tag on and go walk around and say, hi, my name is Nicole. You want to do business with me? Like something's wrong. Something's yeah. broken. And um, you're just you, if you can have that time, then something's not right. And I see it all the time that people, and their greatest advice is go network, 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 network. And I, like that is just such a mistake to advise young people, especially to do that. Or older folks that are getting back into an industry or launching a new industry. You need to be so laser focused on who you need to contact and then you go find that person. Yeah. I can tell you at an event with 100 people all having cocktails, that is not where you're going to find that person. Yeah. Now in this right. my in my day we didn't have LinkedIn, uh, you know, and now people connect through LinkedIn anyway. But um, you know, we didn't have the technology you have today to connect with people. Um, so I use all of that. I always used very targeted approach. of, like I said earlier about that State Farm board member, mm-hmm. I am a member of the Chicago Network. Uh, yes. I am a member of C two hundred. I don't didn't go to a lot of events, but I was always there answering the phone and helping other members when they needed to meet someone when they needed to find someone. Then when I needed, I say, hey, there's this woman, she's on the board of the state farm and I'm pitching them. I need to get a hold of her. Okay, so there's like it's man to man, right? It's you like venue. They help yes. you, right? Yeah. And it's very one you know, one to one to one stepping stones to get to someone connected, not buckshot where you shoot. 300 people in a room. Let's make it targeted. And I think that we talked earlier about writing handwritten notes. I still yes. think that's the most powerful way to connect with someone in it and do it in a way that you're not asking for something. Um, that's my way of networking. I just mm-hmm. want to acknowledge, hey, I think you're awesome. I have nothing I want from you, mm-hmm. but I just think you're great. I did that with yeah. Mayor Daly, who became a dear friend, and we worked together very hard in Chicago Public Schools, and I built a fun program there at his, with his leadership. But that all came just because I wrote him a letter thanking him for the resources in Chicago that were funded by the city um, that made me an entrepreneur. Never, I yeah. just said, if I can ever help you. And then I did the same thing with Christy Hefner.
0: Yeah, who, that's where I was um, going to go with your uh, Christy Hefner. Yeah, tell me yeah. about that.
2: She um, is a Chicago I- – she's an icon, you know, everywhere because she's, I think, the la- largest sitting CEO of a Fortune 500. I hope I get that right. Um, she had the longest tenure in that role of any other CEO in a Fortune 500 company. And, um, but in Chicago, she was, you know, incredible, And and I also love what she did with the Playboy brand and how right. she was such a feminist and such a liberal and a progressive, yet mm-hmm. she was celebrating – sex and and women and all those sorts of things. And I thought, well, that's, you know, I really liked her. So I wrote, when I was in Inc. 500, I sent her the magazine in a note. And I said, thank you for being an inspiration to me as a Chicagoan, as a CEO, and as a woman. Never thought I'd hear back. And I got a call right away from her office and said, Christy would like to have lunch with you. It's like, oh Oh, my gosh, what fun. We met and had lunch. uh, And she said, you know, I've been following you and I was like, what? You know, that was so much fun. And um, she uh, said, okay, you need to join the Chicago uh, network, which she's a founder of. You need to join the C200, which she's a founder of. Mm-hmm. And um, then she just started being my mentor and friend. I know everyone hates that word mentor, but, um, you know, she is that friend that'll say, hey, you got to lose some weight or, hey, you got to this is, a, this is a stupid idea. Like, there's things your friends won't tell you that, um, you know, my friends do and my family does because they're all very blunt. But Christy <laughs> is that great uh, advisor and partner that when I started SkinX, she's like, I don't know. She would point out all the things that didn't work about it and yeah. push me to make it better. And now, and she's very much involved in um, the success of SkinX. She was there with me and walked me into uh, the heads of media empires to pitch them and, and tell them about Skin. And that all came from me just taking a moment and sending her a thank you note and yeah, um, yeah and so doing I her proud it. along the way too, right? Like, you know, all along the way, I've never let her down. I've always made her um, proud that she would, you know, bring me into a room or into a meeting. So that you yeah. got to do that too, right? But it sure. was, uh, it's been a wonderful relationship.
0: Now hear from Eva Stevens, retired president of United Properties based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, episode 28. We've talked about this. Um, it's about networking um you're not a golfer you 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 don't nope. necessarily go out and have drinks with the guys but you found no. that in your career in order to be successful you had to find your own way to connect so you joined NAOP, a uh, national
3: association I of did.
0: industrial and office
3: parks and tell me about that i did i did um Oh my gosh, it must have been, you know, 35 years ago, my boss asked me a question and run out to your network and get the answer to this question. And I went back to my office and I thought to myself, geez, I better get a network. I wonder how you do that. <laughs> so um, <Love> that. <laughs> so I did what I always do when I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I called my older sister and I said, I need to get a network. What should I do? And she said... Um, <laughs> trade association <laughs> yes. I, so I looked I checked around and NAIOP was the you know one of the local trade associations for commercial real estate so I signed myself up to go to a breakfast meeting and I went there and I stood in the door and I looked at the room and there were a couple hundred navy blue and black suits and yeah. I thought oh I don't know any of these people and they're all men what do I do now yeah. So I did the same thing. At that time, we had payphones on the wall, and I ran back to the ladies' room and called my sister. I said, "What do I do? I don't know anybody." She says, "Well, just walk in like you own the place and look for a committee." <laughs> so I did. I joined. I joined a committee. I joined the education committee, and then I joined the public policy committee, and you know, uh, I chose committees that would expose me to a number of people inside the industry. Education committee was really a wonderful place to start because in order to sit, in order to seat, um, discussion panels, you have to solicit, um, knowledgeable individuals in the industry to come and speak. And so it gave me a purpose to call industry leaders. And it was, Mm -hmm. um, it gave me a reason to call them and introduce Mm -hmm. myself. And I love that. That gave me a connection working with industry leaders and, um, that is how I began building my industry friends. Sure, yeah, and it it was it was really beneficial.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, that's what I did for a lot of my career. I joined NAOP. Uh, I was uh, president of the chapter here for a while. I helped start Crew Commercial Real Estate Women here, and people, good for you.
3: Yeah, that's people great.
0: start to get to know me. Um, I'm a golfer. Yes. I do that too, but you know how. You know, the, I think the message is here that to women is how is it that you get people to know you? It's important that they know you and so they can yes. do business with you, right?
3: Yes, and it's important for you to know them. Um, mm-hmm. in, in, in my position, buying and selling commercial buildings, it's import, it was important for me to connect on a national level as well as a local level Mm-hmm. with other industry experts so that if I had a question about a market or I had a question about a building type or or a person in that market I had somebody to call. So mm-hmm. I needed to know who they were too. And that sure that became a very integral part of you know how I stayed connected to mm-hmm. what was going on in the industry.
0: Right. Yeah, building a network and and you probably had mm-hmm. a Rolodex at one time. I had a Rolodex uh, before we had Outlook and Contacts. <laughs> and it, was, it was a big Rolodex, uh, but I had to convert that to my Contacts yes. and Outlook. Finally, in Episode 2, Laura Brunner, President and CEO, the Port of Greater Cincinnati Development Authority, talks about networking. You've always done a lot of uh, nonprofit work and have been an active volunteer in that regard. How would you... S- You know, tell women how does nonprofit work and those kind of things benefit you?
4: Well, it's it's. I think that's a really interesting part of my life. Actually, Uh, I did not grow up in a family with any kind of community service, but my husband's um, mother was always very involved, and she was a junior leaguer. And so right after I graduated from college and moved to Indianapolis, I joined the junior league, and it was completely foreign to me. The whole kind of status of that organization, mm-hmm. the fact that most of the women were not working, the whole um, society of women was v- brand new to me. But it exposed me to a lot of different opportunities. I stayed in junior league when we moved here two years later. But very quickly transitioned out because in Cincinnati, there, it was really um, focused more on the non-working women and got involved um, at the symphony, as a volunteer at the symphony. And Paul and I started working at auctions. We were the CPAs that would work at the auctions for the May Festival, for the symphony, for the opera. Um, we kind of did the circuit, um, doing the accounting during the nights of, the, of these big um, gala events that had auctions, and then rose through the ranks of um, the volunteer side of the symphony, and then went through, and I was active in the Cincinnati women's side of CPAs, you know, trade organization. mm mm-hmm. And then I um, was invited to or encouraged to apply uh, to Leadership Cincinnati when I was young. I was just uh, like 31 years old. So Mm -hmm. I was a young member of Leadership Cincinnati. And after coming through that program, which was really transformational for me, I was positioned to get on boards. So I joined the uh, at that time the the Children's Museum Board and the Ballet Board. Mm. And if I flash forward um, and look back on my career, I can realize that during – uh, probably a decade, 10, 15 years of my career, I got my real satisfaction out of my volunteer work. Those years when I was bored in my career, I didn't know I was bored in my career, but I gravitated toward this volunteer work that was very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And now I realize that my this job I would not have had if I hadn't made the contacts that I had made over the years in my volunteer civic work, because I was kind of playing up. I was exposed to higher profile people yes. inside of the city through my volunteer work than mm-hmm. I was through my my professional career. And I needed those contacts as I applied for this very high profile job. Right. You know, I get that. And I've
0: had the same experience. I get juice from giving back Boys Hope, Girls Hope board. I was on for eight years. I was on the YWCA for women, mm-hmm. uh, I was on that board for six years, so I love that board service, and if it paid more i 'd do a lot more of it <laughs> but it uh, but there are some great contacts that you make And oh, right. you and I are both career women yeah. of achievement with the YWCA. so right. that 's been a benefit and i 've gotten to know a lot of women in that organization through right that. right um, so but you develop contacts, you did board service, which gave you gave you two things at least two things one is that it gave you. That that good feeling of giving back and and uh, that experience, but then also developing some contacts, uh, right. Which were important and and
4: developing leadership skills. Uh, I always tell people it's easy to get promoted if you're not getting paid. Yes. So you, if you're in volunteer work and you just do what you say you're going to do, and you know raise your hand and say I'll take that task on, you get promoted. You get you know committee assignments and then committee mm-hmm. leadership and then you can get on the actual board and you know work your way up to higher levels of responsibility and you that, those skills apply back to your professional career mm-hmm. how to run meetings right uh, how yeah. to manage conflict Right. And it's a great way to get that experience. You're not being
0: paid for it. The expectations are not great. Right. It's just like, hey, give us your time. Right. You can't mess up. I mean, right. you're not going to get fired. Right. And if you're good yeah. and you're organized right. and you do what you say you're going to yep. do, like
4: you've said, you, know, you will be recognized. Right. I've dealt with some very complex issues in my time as president of boards that is very valuable in mm-hmm. my professional career. Sure.
0: The next topic on this special edition is self-care and balance. We have long careers, sometimes 30, 40-year careers like mine. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon to achieve success. And sometimes we must rest. We have to take a break. We must make better choices for ourselves, for our health. As we grow older, we come to know who we are and what we need. We recognize how we are feeling. Are we feeling good? Are we tired? Are we really being our best selves? Am I healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually? Really recognizing that we must set boundaries around where we spend our time or simply take a break from the pace, get off the track, take time for ourselves. Sometimes we realize that we must make changes to our schedules or jobs so that we can be mentally and physically healthy. Perhaps we find that we just don't have the zeal or the energy for our jobs like we once did and we're burned out. Self-care is important and to honor it, takes not only self-awareness but courage to make changes listen in to these guests as they talk about setting boundaries around their time taking breaks making changes first on this topic is Kathy Fish retired head of the research and development division of Procter and Gamble in episode 32 this is a tough business world and a lot of high pressure and and uh, we talk about Balance and uh, you talk about uh, being really honest with yourself about what's important. Uh, you turn things off when you go on vacation, which is somewhat rare today mm-hmm. in our in our stay in touch all the time world. And uh, just talk about balance and and getting away on vacation.
5: So I think um, I'll just start with balance is you know different for every person. Right, and I think one of the most important things is that you decide what's important to you and then what works for you. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a person who's um relatively low energy um, so if i if I become a total workaholic i I'm not very good i'm yeah. I'm tired, I don't coach well, I'm not creative, I'm not patient. nothing really works for yeah. me, right? So I know myself that well, so you know, um, my world's a little bit different today than it was when I was raising my kids. But when I was raising my kids, I would set really firm boundaries around when I left work mm-hmm. so that I could be home yeah. and present for them. And, you know, same thing on vacation. I would use that to really rejuvenate. Um, it's a little harder today so but i do try to set boundaries like set a, you know make a reservation for a pilates class that will help me get out of work mm-hmm. versus there's always more work to do right yeah, there is and there there always is and so that forces you to be more um efficient on what are really the we call them killer issues or the biggest assumptions that if you don't get this work done um the whole proposition's going to fail because Especially for some of the things that we do, there's probably a hundred things that have to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's three or four that if you don't resolve the critical issues, mm-hmm. the rest of it doesn't matter. So right. focusing on those critical things mm-hmm. really, really helps you get there. Um, I could disconnect for vacation it's, a, it's harder to do that today because I'm just in a position of more responsibility, and there are crises that come up sometimes, right? Mm-hmm, but, right. I, but I don't do routine work when I'm on vacation. I, you know, I save it as a check to make sure there's not anything urgent. Mm-hmm. I handle the urgent things, and I, and I let the rest wait until I'm back. Right. When One of the, one of the best things I heard about balance was it was a, from a European manager. And in Europe, they tend to go away for three weeks. And they do disconnect. Yeah. And yeah. what he did was ju- he said, I trust you to run your space. Uh, I want a one-page summary when I get back. You, ma- you make the decisions. I want a summary when I get back. And it was super empowering to the organization, right? Mm-hmm. It did right. mean you- a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. He got his vacation. He got updated when he got back very efficiently versus having to plow through Everything that happened while he was gone, right? Right, Yeah, it was a so, really, really good approach.
0: Yeah, he ha- you handled it while he was in, in, you know, in his absence. Yeah, and uh, he didn't have to like catch up on everything and look over your shoulder. He trusted you to
5: get it done. Yeah, while he was gone. Yeah, we're learning that now. You know, people just want to make a difference, and the more you can actually empower them right. to make decisions in their space and to run with it and only bring it to you if it's outside of, you know, certain guardrails mm-hmm. that you've set up, Yeah, it's really energizing.
0: Next, we'll hear from my leading she guest from episode 30, Mary Zala, the first female CEO and president of the brand design firm Landor. You had uh, the top position with your company at Landor, chief executive officer and president and you made a decision to step down from that position. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about that. What went into the decision, and you know what you decided to do. I know. I, I
6: often think, should I write the um, the opposite of Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In? You know, step down. <laughs> <laughs> like get the <laughs> hell out of here. Yeah, or, I know. You know. I don't know if anybody step would buy down. it. <laughs> I don't I'd know buy anybody it. anybody would buy it, but um, I did. Um yeah. Again, a, absolute privilege to lead a company i love so much and mm-hmm. i do love landor yeah. and to be in a global leadership position and um you know it was in that position that i did get to literally travel the world and meet mm-hmm. so many people that today i are still colleagues and many are friends um but at the same time i had three young children yeah. um and was traveling so much, you know. Sometimes fifty, sixty percent of the time, mm. you know, I was just gone. And then when I wasn't gone, I was consumed. You know, a global CEO is a big job, a huge administrative responsibility, yeah. a huge reporting responsibility. Right. Um, Landor is held by WPP, a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would find myself. You know, getting off a plane, walking into a hotel room at night and literally be in tears just because I missed my kids. You know, I missed home. I I get it. I didn't feel uh, that I I couldn't be. I'm sure many women could. I could not be the mom I wanted to be and be gone that much. Mm -hmm. Plus, I also didn't enjoy large aspects of that role. Um, I was further away from people. I was further away from the creative process. I was reporting on our business rather than necessarily generating it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just found I didn't enjoy that. And that was hard for me because literally from when I started my professional career, I loved every job and every role I had more than the one before Mm. until then. Until then. And I didn't. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I've I've never been unhappy in my career. Mm. What is this? This... Oh my gosh! There's probably so many people that feel like this, you know, that yeah. aren't loving what they're doing, and right, um, and so yeah, I made the decision to. So to you were honest down. with
0: yourself. You said I'm not happy. I need to mm-hmm. need to step down. How long were you in that role? Uh, president and CEO, three years. Three years. Yeah. Okay, so you yeah. were in there three years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time to be in a position that you're not crazy about. Yeah. And it wasn't playing to necessarily your strengths and right. what you love to do, which right. is the creativity. Yes. You know, and um, so I, I can relate to that. I sold my company in 2014, and I was managing people over the servicing area. I wasn't working as much on client relationships mm-hmm. and doing deals. Yeah. And I thought, I want to take all this and take my chips off the table, you know, sell it to someone else and do the stuff I love. Good for you. And you know, I felt a little bit. I don't know if you felt like this, not selling out so much, but I felt like, oh, I've let people down. You know, because yeah. I'm no longer the president of my company. I've it's somebody else's, and I'm an employee now.
6: Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if I as much. I totally understand that feeling. And maybe I didn't feel it because I felt like our next CEO and the one we have now are both way better than me in the role. <laughs> truly, I truly do. Um, and when I did step down, I thought I would have to leave Landor. You know, oh, come on, you tell yeah. people you don't want to be the CEO anymore. You better get your resume together. Um, but Lois, who succeeded me and was the second female CEO, and now I'm proud to say we're on our third consecutive female CEO, Jane Garrity, Fantastic. who's just an incredible talent um, in our mm-hmm. London office and is just doing amazing things for our business. Um, but uh, Lois asked me to stay on, you know, and have since had this role of global president mm-hmm. of the consumer brand and then leading our office in Cincinnati. Yeah. So, uh, but they're both way better mm-hmm. at it than I am. And um, I love supporting them. You know yeah. what I mean? In, sure, in I do. Role.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you said, I'm ready to step down. You had that conversation. You'd made the decision. And they said, well, you don't need to leave. You just, yeah. you know, here's what we're going to do for yeah. you. Right?
6: Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I feel so lucky because, you know, I get to stay at the company I love doing a role, you know, that I love and gives me much more balance.
0: Here is Karen Case, Executive Managing Director and President of Commercial Real Estate for the Bank CIBC from Episode 26. Let's go back to the breast cancer diagnosis. I was going to talk about that toward the end, but uh, I assume you're healthy now. Everything's good.
7: Perfectly healthy. Yeah, good. Um, you know, it. 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 Thank you for asking. And you know, it was a uh, a surprise. Um, my mother had had breast cancer. Uh, you know, uh, probably fifteen years before I was diagnosed, and. Um, but I was diagnosed in late 2014, and I was lucky. Um, my long-term, longtime internist assured me it wasn't life-threatening. So once I heard that, you know, I think verbatim, he said, "Karen, you're not going to die." And so I got a little comfortable. And although I underwent an eight-hour surgery, I didn't need chemotherapy or radiation. Um, so again, I was very fortunate, but as I think back on the experience, you know, I, I think first I tried to keep things in perspective, right? It's like I said earlier, if I became over emotional, so would my family and my friends, my coworkers, you know, everybody in my sphere and that would spiral downwards. Mm-hmm. I didn't go on social media. I didn't join breast cancer, you know, groups, I didn't want to hear other stories because I figured they may or may not relate to me in my situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't go for a second opinion or a third opinion. I trusted the medical professionals and I followed their guidance to a T, which included a two-month medical leave. Mm. And that brings me to my second point. I luxuriated in the time off. Good. And whoever would have thought that could happen. Right? So I felt nearly 100% within about 10 days of uh, being released from the hospital. But my doctors, I think, recognized that I had a type A personality, (laughs) and told me to stay away from work, stay away from the office. So my work family stepped in, they stepped up, Because that's the culture we worked hard to create over so many years. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't have been more grateful. I did read my work emails every morning, but I didn't answer any of them. Um, Because I knew if I did, I would go down that rabbit hole and get sucked into the day-to-day. And... Um, And I did lots of things. I walked everywhere, even though it was winter. I read books. I binged watched some TV. I took classes at the health club and spent tons of time with my kids and husband, who, of course, also stepped up. And while I didn't organize my photos as I had planned (laughs) or cook great meals, I realized how important it is to take time for myself and those who matter to me. Yes. And while I always thought I would work forever, that they'd carry me out of the office <laughs> in a box, I saw that there could be a next chapter that didn't have to mean 14 days in the office. Yes, But let me clarify, I do not have any retirement or post-retirement plans in place as we speak.
0: Well, we'll make sure that uh, anyone listening to this, and it might even be the title of yours, (laughs) Karen's not (laughs) going to retire anytime soon. But the word luxuriate, we don't don't do that a lot as women, people that work in commercial real estate. It is pressure-filled. It takes a lot of time. It takes hours. It takes patience, uh, relationship building. I mean, it's, it's tough. This is a tough business. And to take two months to do that, uh, and one of the things we talked about was one regret you had was not taking enough time for yourself over your career. And here's an opportunity, maybe a wake-up call to you that hey, there's there are other things besides working that I really want to focus on, right? How did things change for you, your perspective?
7: Um, you know, one of the things that you and I didn't really talk much about, Susan, is that part of my work is also my civic activity. and mm-hmm. I've been on lots of boards and I do lots of fundraising. So I tied that all in together. But probably my biggest regret, is that I didn't devote enough time for me. And I think the one thing that um, got left out was working out didn't seem to fit into the routine on Mm -hmm. a regular basis. You know, my husband, Jay, and I did take vacations from time to time without the kids. We went on date night every single Saturday night.
0: That is cool. That is is revolutionary. I don't know anybody that has done that. That is really good for your marriage. That's why you've been married forty years. I, I guess, and I never missed a manicure. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, I do. I haven't either. Uh, it's very important to have good nails, good jewelry, and uh, do your hair. So exactly beautiful. Well, that's that's great to hear. And you, uh, I'm sure you're like me. I am very um, diligent about getting my mammograms every year. It's very important to catch it early, like you did. Right.
7: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to take care of you.
0: Now we'll hear from my guest, Julie Smolansky from episode 37, who is the CEO of Lifeway Foods. One of the things that helps in delegation when you really truly delegate, scratch these things off your list, is something I've learned the hard way. And that is, and you're like me, I know this from listening to the other podcast, is you and I, I think it's safe to say, we get. We get juice from the pace, from the yeah. creativity and the challenge and the competition and the people that are naysayers about us. I, I get I get a lot of juice and adrenaline from that. And so it's huh. led to some workaholic tendencies of mine. Yes. Uh, yes. And I've really, and I wore myself out. I exhausted yes. myself. So yes. I know you've used exercise. I do that. I use exercise. I use meditation every day. Um, yes. I go out with girlfriends. Um, I have really been working at self compassion and self love, walking <laughs> in nature, lighting a candle. These are things I've heard about with you. So, talk about self care and how important it is for us to do it as busy uh, women leaders, women executives, women, you know, business owners.
8: Yeah, I think this is the most important thing that we could be talking mm-hmm. about because. Um, I agree with you that we get burned out and exhausted. And I feel that, I mean, I, this pandemic has shown me how, um, what pa- pace I was going at and how there are consequences to it. And, um, it, it you do suffer from a, a, emotional standpoint, mental health standpoint and physical standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, have had my share of health crisis, um, because of my, workaholic, uh mm-hmm. you know, hard, fast-paced life. And um, you know, it it without the self-care stuff, I I don't know that I'd be here. You know, I would have probably just burned out and uh I would say the same thing about me. Yeah. yeah. And and it makes you feel just better. I mean, I just love my days now. Mm-hmm. I I feel so um so much gratitude to be where I'm at. And the self-care is my favorite part of the day. (laughs) Yeah, Um, me too. You know, I, I love moving my body and feeling my blood flow and it, works with your creativity. You know, we learn that it's great for your brain health. It's the key to your longevity and the key to anti-aging. And, um, you know, I, it, it, it is the anecdote to suffering, uh, you know, moving your body, having stillness in, in your breath. Um, mm-hmm. you kind of realize that the things that bring you joy are free. Um, it's, it is your breath. It mm-hmm. is uh the sunlight, you know, vitamin D. I yep. realize is how important getting out into the sun every day is for me, especially. Um, um eating foods that are wholesome and nourishing that, you know, I grew up, I was a child of the 80s and the 90s. When you know it was Kate Moss and stick thin yep. um, models, and and you maybe with Twiggy a little bit before me, yep, Twiggy, and uh, yeah, and other um, I, b- kind of beauty standards and ideals that are really painful for women and men. You know, it, it these kind of ideals that become internalized, and if you're not living up to those standards, that there's something wrong with you, that you just right. don't deserve, you know, deserve to be in our society. If you don't look like Kate Moss, like that was the messaging that mm-hmm. I was growing up with, and you know, the way that you would fix that was by going on a diet and, um, you know, dropping weight and yep. making yourself smaller, you know, making your making right. yourself less than and it was about deprivation and I hated it. You know, that's why Mm -hmm. I studied. I, I, that's why I went into the field of study that I went into. I just, I hated it. And, um, learning that the, the way that we eat, it's about nourishing ourselves and filling ourselves with foods that help us thrive and help fuel our missions and purpose. And if we all did that, we all, you know, leaned into that and lived our purpose and, um, did, had the courage and bravery to do what we were called to do. Um, That that to me is really an interesting and appealing Mm -hmm. way to exist, and what I wanted to bring to the rest of the you know world or Mm -hmm. or, you know my universe. So you know to me it's just my career at Lifeway, the messaging. It just it's it's all part of the DNA of my my DNA, sure, um, literally and and figuratively. But yeah, like I love that what what I get to do in my career is help inspire people to make those those good lifestyle choices that. Mm -hmm you know, that, that sh- say that they love themselves. Yeah. You know, self-care is a boundary. It's, mm-hmm. it's saying I matter. I love myself enough to take this moment, take this time to do the things that bring me joy and, right. you know, Journaling, you know, just getting to know yourself better, um, to ponder life, yeah. to be, just think really big, yeah. Um, and instead of thinking small as society in the 80s or 90s would have us distracted from,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, I, much is expected of us as women, um, you know, in our society, in our jobs, as as a mother in our families and we're not often valued, and we work very hard, and we don't get a lot of attagirls, and we have to do that for ourselves. We have to set boundaries around our time. Finally, listen to Jonna Reeder, founder and CEO of JRK Executive Strategies, in episode 22. In September of 2018, when you announced you were going to resign, Reddy, yes. he said, It's impossible to overstate the impact Jana has had on the greater Cincinnati region, said Reddy Cincinnati chairman Brian Hodgett. Jana has brought leadership, positive national exposure, elevated credibility with decision makers, and the tenacity to get things done. Right? It's pretty cool.
9: I don't even know what to say. Yeah,
0: um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it feels And good. in the same article, you said... I am proud to have given my heart and soul to Reddy's mission and team development, Reader said. Now it's time for me to pass the baton and reassess my priorities and then evaluate my next adventure. And I underlined and bolded heart and soul. I've given my heart and soul. So talk about the time you realized that that you had had worked that hard and that, and that uh, you had sacrificed things and and there was a turning point there. Just talk about that.
7: Yeah, I,
9: I, I've had time to reflect and think about was there one thing or was it a culmination of things? And I would say that for any woman, we're all going to have bad days. Yeah. But when it becomes, you know, day after day, week after week, that you are so tired. You're just, I, I guess I would call it somewhat of a burnout, yeah. um, that you're short, short-tempered on things that didn't used to bother you, that you're getting a little cynical on things that you used to be the champion and say, we'll take this mountain, that it's time to reassess, is this where I need to be now? Mm-hmm. And I I could feel in my health I I I broke out in hives and went to the doctor and thought oh I'm allergic to my you know false nails or something the doctor <laughs> said have you been under additional stress lately and I'm like no it's the same stress I've had for 4 years and 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 she said jada you you must slow down and it was a you know, I was forty-five at the time, and thinking, "What do you mean, slow down? This is this has always been my pace." Right. Um, but what I realized is my family life had suffered, mm-hmm. um, my health had suffered, my mental capabilities w- were suffering because I was just tired, and. I decided, you know, I said three to five years. I looked at our goals. We had accomplished everything I came to accomplish. And I thought, why are you holding on? You know you're not one that just keeps the train on the tracks, which is an important role, too. Yeah. But I like to drive the train at 150 miles per hour and build new track at the same time and thought, yeah. time out. What, are, you're not going to just sit back now, are you? What What are you doing? And I like to say when you feel like you're not having fun anymore, yeah. it's time to know thyself. And I had lost who I was. I had lost what was really important to me in the quest for success I, and and that being what we as all humans call success, of winning, of being part of things, of being part of this team, maybe some of the the glamour of it, too, of being in the middle of big Mm -hmm. decision-making, you know, heck of financial stability, of of all the things that go along with it. Yeah. But what I stopped and realized, how many pairs of shoes can you buy to fill that hole? How much food do you eat? Frankly, how much wine do you drink? You're never going to fill that gap with these false idols Mm -hmm. when you're just – what you're really wanting is a break. Yeah. And I needed a break. I'd worked since I was 14 years old. Yeah, me too. And I mean hard. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I – Thank goodness I was in a position that I was able to take a step back and say, I need to reassess because I've been doing all these things in the quest of being happy instead of just stopping and being happy with where I am. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for a person that their whole goal in life was to be the president and CEO and you make it to your pinnacle. And it wasn't exactly what you wanted.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when I, remember when I read the article, I'm like, wait a minute, what? Why is she resigning? She's at yeah, the top. You know, I... she's at the top and what what's going on with that? But you said that uh, told me that you were miserable and exhausted. You were waking up and, you know, these you know, you were diff-
9: visiting cities, just driving this mission, right? Well, when you, you know, you're thinking, and when you wake up and you think, wait a minute, am I in Asia or Africa right now? I mean, it, oh. and I'm not exaggerating, yeah. and time zones, and um, and I say all this, that we all have, have we all make sacrifices for where we want to be, mm-hmm. and I don't regret that. It was where I wanted to be, but I also felt it was very important to be vulnerable and admit because I think as women we don't give we don't allow ourselves to admit that vulnerability publicly mm-hmm. that hey, it's hard you have to sacrifice a lot if you're going to get to those pinnacles that's right and it's also okay sometimes to step back and say that's not what I wanted right uh, just because it's everyone else's idea of success and they see this picture of, I'm great. Life is wonderful. Um maybe it's not. And mm-hmm. if we'd be a little more honest with ourselves and others, I I think that authenticity would help us as women be more supportive of each other too.
0: That's that's very well said. And um you know what uh, the message there is, uh, and I'm going to relate my story too to this, and that is that you know it is hard. You know, I looked at you and thought and maybe people looked at me like this. I thought you know she's got it together. She's she she's doing it better than I am, and you know, she, and that was the image that that you projected, right? It's
9: a brand. We it's all a have brand. our brand. Yeah, and. Yes. I mean, I I can remember people. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm I'm great. Things couldn't be better while inside, you know, is a little bit of you dying. Mm -hmm. Are you are you being true to yourself? Because out of all of that perfectionism to win and do well and do things with excellence um, and and we're taught as women this is this is what you do you have to do it better than than others to be at the table at the and table. i felt a real obligation to other women to you know i had been given this chance yes. to be there but at the same time i was sacrificing what really were my values? I had forgotten. I had moved away from my Christian faith. I had moved away from my family. I had moved away from my health. I was having no play in my life. Yeah. It was like all purpose. It was yeah. all driven to, 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 to win and these obligations. Mm-hmm. I used to say to my husband, so tell me what I'm supposed to say no to. Tell me what I'm. I, who am I supposed to let down. And who I was letting down was myself. To succeed as a leader, we must
0: take risks, all kinds of risks, sometimes without all of the information we would like to have and get beyond our perfectionism. In order to succeed in our careers, we must take chances, and taking risks means sometimes making career changes that we don't always feel completely prepared to take. This next topic is about taking risks as leaders and making career changes. How to have the confidence that we know enough about what we need to know or we can learn it and take the risk that we will succeed. Take the risk that you may not know everything you need to know to take on the next challenge. Listen to our guests about taking risk and making career changes. Our first guest on this topic is from Episode 21, Debbie Hayes, President
10: and CEO of the Christ Hospital Health Network. You have to look back on every crisis and and think about what did I learn? And Great leaders will help their organizations get through this. Yeah. Right? That's right. Um, And you have to stay strong, even in the face of adversity. And you have to stay positive, even in the face of adversity. Yeah. And you have to engage that team. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I've learned is there are people that you didn't even know in your organization that, have the potential to be fabulous leaders. And in a crisis like this, all of a sudden they come popping out of the woodwork. Yeah, they rise to the occasion. They rise to the occasion. And you find those little nuggets of gold that you really might not have in a different situation known that we're even there. Yeah, you kind of see people and who they who they really are, some maybe positive
0: characteristics, maybe negative characteristics. Some people resist out of fear. We can't do that because this will happen. Right. You know, so you really see people's personalities. They're sort of natural personalities coming out, I think.
10: Right. And um, a lot of people, um, you know, they demonstrate their ability to take risk. And, yes, you know, it's one of the things, and I think any leader's career that is really important. At times, you have to be willing to take risk. You're not always going to be successful, but I always equate failure as learning, not Mm -hmm. failure as failure. Because for every failure that we have, we have learned something. Mm -hmm. And as long as you don't continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again, that failure was actually something that was valuable and it was valuable for you it was valuable for your organization Mm -hmm. and it and it can make you a better leader
0: yeah and learn
10: from it pick
0: yourself up don't beat yourself up over it what did you learn from the failure right and just go on and and keep doing it that's that's hard to do
10: well and many of us who aspire to be in leadership roles are in some ways bit of perfectionist, because we want everything to be perfect. But nothing is perfect. Nothing is perfect. And you have to be comfortable with that ambiguity. And you have to be comfortable with um, the fact that not everything will work exactly as you think it should. Next,
0: we have Amy Hansen, retired Macy's executive, episode four. So as you think about the risk you took to going into a position that you perhaps didn't know well but somebody had said we want you to do this maybe talk about the experience you had you, you didn't have and the taking of the risk yeah. you know, around doing it and what would you say to young women who are advancing and and around this
11: well you know i think people the, i somebody told me this that they would always describe me as um somebody who wasn't afraid to say yes You know, like you said, I didn't really – I had not run stores, and I ran the stores for the Macy's North Division, you know, staffing, scheduling, and all of that. But, you know, if you have good, solid management skills, leadership skills, you're a good listener, um, you're not afraid to ask questions, I mean, those those kind of skill sets apply in almost every area – I mean, I don't think I could do surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that area. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. But um,
0: but you feel like you have leadership skills to... Right. And, yeah. and
11: if you have a, a good team and you are listening and listening carefully... And you're willing to be a student. Now, so, you know, that, that you know, like I'm a, I consider myself a student of retail. So I was reading what I could about retail, being very aware of, you know, the competition. I mean, you just, you have to be a student of the business because you don't have that innate, um, you know, set of facts that other people can rely on but Mm -hmm. again but management skills and leadership skills are universal um Mm -hmm. you just have to have the ability to not be fearful about asking questions Mm -hmm. and ask open-ended questions and you learn a lot more
0: Mm -hmm. that way we talked about uh the uh Moving into the senior management role, exec- you were an executive with Macy's, what kind of experience did you do you feel like w- w- was critical for you to have in order to be considered for a senior executive position at Macy's? Well, you know, and I,
11: I I've said this before, but I, I it, and it's not true for all, all. Um, people, but I think if you really if you want to be in senior management at a big company, you typically have to have operational and PL leadership. So you can't typically rise to the C suite with just staff experience. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, there can be exceptions Exceptions to that rule. I'm making a Mm -hmm. big general statement. So get yourself into operations, that's what I would say. (laughs) And get your hands dirty and trying to get some PLU Leadership, and that's particularly helpful. In, as you move on, like a, you know, I'm working, and I'm um, on a, a few corporate boards. Yes, but having P and L responsibility, that means you have to, you know, deliver deliver the numbers. You also have to think about HR and employment policies and talent. You're, it could because it's the whole're mm-hmm. you running a company within a
0: company really Th- right that
11: that is exactly right and mm-hmm. so that you have to balance all of those things mm-hmm. um and I think that that helps people have the confidence in um your abilities to rise further mm-hmm. so I think that that t- and women and again an overly broad statement um do tend to gravitate to more staff
4: roles. Staff
0: positions rather than taking, and then maybe being considered for those. Is she interested in doing it, in taking on that profit and loss kind of responsibility operations? You're really the spotlight's on you, right? You're under the microscope and people are watching, and that can be good because you can be considered for more responsibility if you
11: want it. Right, and I do think sometimes it's necessary to take a lateral, like if you're a mm-hmm. VP in human resources or in finance, but you really want to progress in your career, talk to your boss, talk to, you know, whoever within your company as like I'd I'd consider a lateral move to run an operation mm-hmm. or even a step down at the same salary to get experience. The experience. Right. Yeah, and then you will Rise, yeah, yeah. Right. It's a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. And if, it, if you get into that role and you don't like it, you can always go back to your comfort zone. It's not sure. like a, I think sometimes um, people, women, women particularly, can be like, oh, you know, I do that and then my career's over. No, it's just one step. You it's went sideways and then
0: you're going to step back. Right. You know, There's a safety net. There's a backup plan if right. it doesn't work. And that's part of taking risk. Now we will hear again from Hope Felton-Miller, Managing Partner of Felton-Buford Partners, Episode 5.
1: Confidence also goes over to, I think, your, your willingness to take risks. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to have a career that moves ahead, you, you have to say yes. Mm-hmm. You have to say yes when opportunities come up. Even if deep in your heart of hearts you're not totally 100% sure you're ready for that, But you say yes, and you say it with confidence because you know, okay, I've done it before. The worst that can happen is, you know, maybe I'll screw up, but nothing's irrevocable. Right. Um, You have a backup plan. That's when I started my company. I thought I can always go back and be
0: a lender if I want to, if it doesn't work out.
1: Right, right, right. But I
0: think a lot of women don't take risks they're too afraid of making a mistake they're too afraid it's not going to work out they don't look at the you know here's what happened oh, yeah. you know it happens if it doesn't work out but you came from a family of entrepreneurs so and and we know how yeah. how hard it is you know and how much mm-hmm. work's involved but it's just like i don't know if it's going to work out but it's feeling like it's something i'm called to do you well know?
1: exactly so and and uh, again it's that a willingness to say yes And I will say, at this point, as I look back on my career, the one regret that I have is that I, when I look back and say, you know, this could have gone better, that could have gone better, 90% of the time, it was because I didn't set the bar high enough for myself. Mm, I've done that. I thought I could only get to here. You know, I set a goal and said, boy, if I can get there, that would be great. And I did. I got there. But then I look back and think, I could have gotten 10% Ten percent more, twenty percent more—you know, another right. level. You know, more business, whatever it is. Yeah. I set the bar too low. That was right. my biggest mistake. That was the most consistent mistake I made. Mm-hmm. So, my advice to younger women is: have confidence in yourself, trust yourself, set, the, be audacious. Audacious was
0: the word that came to mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. have a big audacious goal. There's a acronym out yeah, there. Yeah. I can't, I can't call upon it, but yeah. I, I know what you're talking about.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, that that would be the advice. Next,
0: in episode 34, Diane Moorfield, a retired executive with a long career, most recently with the public company Cyrus One, weighs in on this topic. You have said that one of your best decisions you ever made uh, was to take an opportunity with equity uh, office uh, to run a division of the company at the recommendation of Chip Owen, COO of equity at the time a uh, previous uh, head of uh, the big real estate firm, JLL. Um, and he saw something in you that he wanted to put into this role, even though you didn't have the experience uh, with these uh, various disciplines you're going to manage. And your husband dissuaded you a bit. Like, I'm not sure if you want to take this. Talk about that opportunity and why, you know, what happened and what, why you thought you wanted this and thought it was a good decision.
12: Yeah, that was definitely one of the pivotal decisions of my whole career. So I had been at equity office for almost seven years at that point, running investor relations, which is a job I loved. I mean, that that is a great career path, investor relations, and was very well suited, again, to my skill set and personality. And Chip Owen, the, the then COO of equity office, the position to run the whole Midwest region, we were called regional senior vice presidents. It was sort of um, divisional presidents in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were eight regions at equity office at that point. And the head of the Midwest region opened up and Chip approached me. And again, at that point, I'm, you know, the senior vice president of best relations and public relations. And he's like, he he called me "Die as well. Di, I really think you could... Do this role? Would you consider it? And all of the other regional senior vice presidents came up through property management or leasing or operations, and there, you know, I didn't have any of that background. And I remember just saying to Chip, "Oh, it sounds like an awesome opportunity, but you you know that I've never done leasing or property management." And his reaction was, "Wow, way to oversell yourself." So (laughs) that's back to the gender thing, right? Like, I would just jump on it and say, absolutely. Like, I'm thinking about, okay, what don't I have that might, you know, cause me to not be successful in this role? I always say there's two things this example, this this is an example of. One is women underestimate, you know, what we can do. Men tend to be super competent, even if they don't have the direct experience. We tend to feel like, oh, if we don't have it, we can't be successful. And two is, I was, you know, from a very young part of my career, women that had been successful said, Take risks. That was one of their pieces of mm-hmm. advice. I'm like, Okay, this might be my opportunity to take a risk. Mm-hmm. So, and even my husband, not and he's been one of my by far biggest supporters of my career, right. said, Are you sure you want to take this? You don't really have the experience. And you're not going to be good at failure. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I I don't have the experience. So anyway, Chip Owen said, look, this is a leadership and management role. And that's that's your strengths. And you understand Mm -hmm. real estate. You may not have done leasing or property management directly, but you're smart. And you get the financial part. And you get how to manage and lead and motivate people. And I'm so glad I took that role. And it was one of the most rewarding roles. And I created a great team that were the experts in their areas and had a great run.
0: Finally, in episode 24, Kay Geiger, president of PNC Bank, talks about risk. We talk about women, and we've talked about in other podcasts, Taking Risk, and there's an opportunity, let's say, she has to go into another area of the bank or area of a corporation, whatever, and we talk about taking the risk. Don't be afraid to do it. Um, But you talk about something interesting about taking the risk, but what's the lost opportunity? And what about the person who's taking the risk on
13: her? I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Uh, it's um, it's interesting. I enjoy being asked to do this because I um, I don't look back because um, you can't change it. But in looking back in reflection, which is good, I realize that, and I've always believed that any time somebody asks you, and this has nothing to do with gender. Um, for to consider an opportunity, I'm not this isn't about decisioning the opportunity. This is you are given an opportunity. Um, they're in place. They are making a bigger commitment on your success than you are before you even accept that opportunity to succeed. Right. So put in another way, whoever asks you to do something that might stretch you, who's asking you to take a leap, who may not even think you're taking a leap, you just think that. That you're not prepared or whatever reasons we have that you don't know. That other person is making a bigger bet than you will ever bet on yourself. Mm -hmm. So know that when somebody specifically asks you, they are not doing it um, without predetermined thought about your capabilities or you Mm -hmm. wouldn't be asked yeah, so I always think if you're it's one thing to say you'd like to do something and go and go that way, which is completely ex, um, you know acceptable, and frankly should be if you if nobody you know, people can't read your mind. But really, I would say more more uh, more commonly, people are asked to do something. Of mm-hmm. great, whatever it is, and great is doesn't matter. I mean, when I was asked to be a foreign exchange trader and I never traded, or I was asked to be a trade finance manager over people twenty years my senior, or I was the first woman on the executive committee or all those things, there was somebody that said, "I believe in you, right So mm-hmm. much more than you'll ever believe in yourself. Yeah. And I think that that is really um it's quite it's quite liberating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also something I think you you have to be mindful of because it's not, I don't think it's natural for anybody mm-hmm. to be given uh, something where they're not completely prepared as if you ever are, but that you don't think you are completely there yet. Not to have that, you know, concern, the what if, and that's fine. I mean, you mm-hmm. should. I right. mean, we, I hope we aren't so confident that we walk around thinking we can do it all, which we can't. But when somebody does it, just realize they're taking a big bet. Right. And they want you yeah. to succeed. Because you know what, if you don't, it's going to look badly they, on them. Exactly. Right. They and, have the bigger risk. And
0: I know a number of times in my career where women, men recommended that I do it. And But when we've talked about it in this podcast, we've said, you know, take the risk. Go do it. But but your perspective is there is somebody that has said you would be good at this. I believe in you. And if you're not good at it, it's going to reflect badly on that person. Thank you for listening to this second special edition of Leading She. I hope you enjoyed it and perhaps took away some ideas you can use or send it to someone you think might benefit from it. Stay tuned for more great guests and podcasts in the future on Leading She. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leading She. Please check out many other Leading She episodes, which are wonderful. We discuss challenges these accomplished women have overcome in their careers. Please subscribe to this podcast and rate it and review it. Follow Leading She on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have ideas and wisdom for women leaders.